The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's www.adworks.com slash Bill Risser. Be prepared to work really hard. Because if you don't work hard and you don't commit and you don't do the things you don't want to do, you will not succeed. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Chicago Title, Arizona. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Yes, I said 60, a little bit of a milestone. So we had to get a special guest for episode 60 and what I did was I traveled over to England Volkers in Scottsdale to find Bob Nathan. I was able to track him down, and you know Bob's got a rich history in, in the development side of Scottsdale and some other parts of the state, so I'm very excited to have him here on the podcast. Bob, welcome. Well, thank you for having me, and I think it's even more fitting that I am your 60th episode three weeks from my 60th birthday, so this is quite an honor, and uh, I know you didn't mean to do that, but dang, you're good. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. <laughs> <laughs> So first of all, I, I always like to find out where, where our guests are from. And uh, are you an Arizona native? Did you grow up here? Born and raised in downtown Chicago on the 12th floor of an apartment building. Inside the loop or outside the loop? Inside the loop. Well, it was, it's no, the North Shore, okay. so near Wrigley Field. All right. I came out here when I was 17 to go to Arizona State University, go Devils, and uh, moved back for a very short stint after my four years. I did graduate in four years and uh, was teaching tennis at an indoor facility that collapsed under a snowstorm. And so I kissed my parents goodbye, jumped in my Toyota Camry, and uh, drove back to Arizona. Now, there's a, there's a big connection already between Illinois, Chicago, and, and the desert. Was even, you know, when you were in college, which my advanced math tells me was, you know, Long time 40 ago. years ago, was there still this you know, a pipeline from, from Illinois out here where they go into Florida? Absolutely not. I mean, there was a, probably Minnesota still had a pretty good... Uh, uh, influx of people. But from Chicago, I was the only one in my graduating class who moved out west. Everyone else uh, in that downtown area was heading to East Coast schools and Midwestern. So it, yeah. I, was, uh, I was a pioneer. <laughs> or a rebel? Or, or both. All right, good. So I want to know, obviously a Cubs fan, if you grew up on the north side. Huge. There's no way Huge. you could. Yeah. I mean, White Sox. Right? Cubs and Bears. Cubs and Bears. So you have to be excited this year. I mean, I know you don't want to jinx anything, and I hope we can talk about it, and you're not going to blame me if something bad happens in the playoffs. Yo no but... sabe nada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so we'll leave. We'll, we'll, no billy goats, no nothing. nothing. We'll let it no. go. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I, I'm um, one of my favorite towns to visit is Chicago. It's, it's an amazing place. Last time I was there, I think I did a 10-mile walk yeah. just going down Lakeshore Drive and then cutting up in and coming back up the Miracle Mile. I mean, it's it's, it's an amazing place to, it, to it's be. clean, it's friendly. Yeah. The lakefront is magnificent. Uh it's safe despite certain neighborhoods. Right. But 
great city, great town, uh, and, and good people. Yeah. So what did you study here at ASU? What was your major? Well, I came out here as a uh, mass communications major. I uh, okay. got to my senior year in college and couldn't pass the typing test to continue for in communications and do the news writing, which is a true story, uh, because I'm significantly dyslexic. So I couldn't get it through without the mistakes. Called my father, said I was going to change to a physical educations major. He told me very quickly that that was a bad idea. Uh, so I ended up with a history degree. Uh, okay. hoping to get into law or something. But. So nowhere in that ASU experience am I hearing, oh, by the way, go Devils as well. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not hearing, you know, that this, you had this passion for real estate or development that you were going to come out of the college and just take the real estate bull by the horns. No, no clue. No clue. No clue. <laughs> uh, the, that legacy started with my brother in 76 when he got into, he was out here two years before me. And he actually started selling real estate for a company called Tom Fannin Realty, which evolved into Prudential. And then he went into the, their commercial side. And I kind of followed in his footsteps. A lot of great fun stories in those days. But, uh, you know, how we did the business was significantly different. But yeah. he started his company in 1980, uh, focusing on land sales. Uh, I came on as his assistant, chauffeur, researcher, secretary, cabana boy. Just, just about anything that he needed to do, uh, I was there for my big brother. That sounds like the commercial real estate world of today still. I don't think it's changed significantly. Not, not much. No. <laughs> so, but it is, you know, we'd like to talk about that for a second because, you know, residential real estate is, is kind of a, has a certain rhythm to it and a certain way that it's done. I mean, luxury is different than maybe non-luxury. But when you get into the commercial side and, and even a, especially a land broker where you're trying to put deals together. That's a whole different world that you grew up in as far as real estate is concerned. Well, absolutely. And it's kind of a blessing and really has created a better foundation for what I've learned in my past to get where I am. Most people go from residential to commercial. Right. Uh, I kind of evolved the other way, given the set of circumstances that happened. But understanding the land business, you know, Will Rogers said, buy land, they're not making any more of it. Uh, and that was kind of our, our, our mantra. But to understand to sell a piece of dirt, to get it through rezoning, to get it, first of all, to close of escrow, then get it platted, engineered, improved, is a, is a depth of knowledge most residential realtors will not have. Uh, and that's what I cut my teeth on. So master planning, infrastructure, and you know, having the benefit of working with DMB, the finest company that does this uh, business. Uh, and how to do it the right way as opposed to just about the dollar. So it was a, it was a true blessing. Let's talk about how you and your brother Nate became connected with DMB, you know, one of the biggest developers. Can I say in the country? I don't think Western? it's country. Way. The, it's the southwestern yeah, okay. region. Um, you know, again, we were just selling land in northeast Scottsdale. We were approached by the Marley Corrigan family, who, who are renowned in, in the Valley for decades. They were uh, enlisted us to help them find either a buyer or a joint venture partner for their 8,500, 8,400 acre master plan. Uh, the evolution was DMB was in the wings and had had previous conversations with the family, uh, but that be became a joint venture. Uh, Nate and I were then put in charge of selling off the parcels to the individual builders and, and, and everybody else. Uh, we approached them and uh, mutually agreed that their own real estate company would be in their best interest so Nate and I helped them form DMB Realty. At that point in time, we were 45% owners for the first four years of that development. 
And my responsibility was to manage the company, uh, be on site at DC Ranch, sell the custom home sites to the individuals. We had a builder program at that time, so you had to use one of our builders. So we helped maneuver uh, the lot purchasers also through design and development and building on the house. So again, giving me a depth of knowledge from construction and design and selection and fitting the people with the right builder, architect, interior designer. So That had to help, I'm sure, help the community as well keep a, a very kind of unique look that didn't get too crazy with um, someone trying to push the boundaries of of what the plan was supposed to be? Our design guys were well-established. Vern Swabeck's office did that. They did the land plan as well as the, uh, the um, architectural control guidelines. And uh, the intent was to, to keep architecture true to its form. So whatever style you chose, we had eight or nine different styles to choose from, but you couldn't intermingle a mission with modern or modern with Tuscan. And, and we... Um, made a lot of people unhappy in the process because especially the architects who felt we were controlling their creative abilities when in actuality we were trying to guarantee uh not a hodgepodge but a uh beautiful palette of of beautiful beautiful homes and i mean ultimately helping value of every homeowner in the place i mean that's the whole goal right you're trying to take care of that you mentioned DC Ranch, but what are some of the other developments that uh, you worked on in partnership with uh, DMB? Well, uh, Forest Highlands, the second phase, was uh, was a wonderful success that we had. We, they came up, built the second course at 177 custom home sites that we sold out in less than a year. Hmm. Uh, market was good for us. Timing was good for us and, and a, also a good land plan and a different product. Uh, worked with them in Verado and helping getting their original land plan for the custom home sites uh, established up there. Went up to Park City with them uh, for a short stint to help working with, actually, they were with the Greyhawk developers up there. But it pretty much was based here. I'm, I'm just going to guess that getting things through zoning in Scottsdale might have been a little easier back in the 80s and early 90s. Oh, no, no, actually. How's it work out? I, um, I used to get chastised by my family because I was one of those silly individuals that actually would watch Channel 7 and watch the zoning hearings for fun because it was a process. And we had some masterminds back then, uh, Aeneas Kane uh, being one of them, to take them through the process uh, because people weren't developing in Northeast Scottsdale and people didn't want to see development. So there were referendums, there were characters like Carla uh, who would fight every zoning case that was out there and threaten to take it to referendum. So the process, I, it's still not streamlined, but the city of Scottsdale uh, has done a far better job of, of manipulating it. And we don't have that much land left to rezone. So the cases are uh, maybe even more contentious, but not as, as numerous. But it, it was quite, nev- you know, we didn't have the 101. We didn't, the CAP was just being developed, and that's what brought water to the northeast part of the valley. So they're really, you know, the Herbergers, uh, Marley Corrigan uh, family. You had um, the True North guys, Jerry Nelson. All those guys were true pioneers. Bartlett and Bailey, when they did uh, Desert Highlands, way ahead of their time even desert mountain right so for the most part we're kind of done kind of seeing a big development going in north of the 101 the only land that's really out there that is available to build on is state land and that's a process that you know takes years and years and years it's for the benefit of the uh, 
uh, school district for the state. Right. Uh, and those parcels come up periodically. But, and, you know, large parcels, large developments, new golf courses, nothing's in the pipeline. Yeah. Was it a natural transition for you then to kind of move into the residential side of things that you're doing now? Because, you know, that, that, par- that part of the, your business world was not there as much? Well, the ev- ev- evolution was, was just that. At, once I started selling the custom home sites and, and building the custom homes, I, first of all, I, I realized I had a passion for, for design and construction. And I, I've built three custom homes uh, over the years as well. And then being not stuck in that cycle, but being focused in that cycle of that part of the business. By the time we had ran the course from 96 to 2004, my relationships in the land business had all moved on to my brother and all of his other affiliates. Uh, So I had a focus and I had, when people talk about farming, I truly, my farm grew organically with no intent or no purpose to do that. But because I had created relationships, my team sold every custom home site in DC Ranch. So I had two individuals that worked for me underneath me, but as my partners. So we had 256 people that we knew intimately. We had started the relationship, and that grew into my my first network or my first farm, and then being member 10 of the country club. There was another organic base of farming, um, being involved with a school. Copper Ridge. My ex-wife was the first PTO president, and we were on the planning committee to create that school and their business um, plan. So we were involved in the schools, involved in uh, the charitable organizations, which was Heartstrings. It was the best way to farm. So when I teach young individuals coming into this business, I, I did it by accident, but now I know how to teach it on, you know, yeah, how to, how to teach it with some intent, right? Yeah. How to build a community and, be a, and, and build a sphere of influence that matters. And, and I'm sure that you have plans in place to, to, to reach out and communicate and all those sorts of things that keep that, those relationships fresh. I do right? now because of you. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. <laughs> so you were with another brokerage. Um, well, I, I moved ago. from DMB Realty to starting my own firm in 2004. I had RH Nathan and company mm-hmm. again, Centered in the heart of DC Ranch in Silverleaf. I uh, had about 20 agents at one point in time that were working with me or for me. In 2008, 2009, saw the writing on the wall and I called Jimmy Lyons and I said, Hey, how would you like 20 agents? He said, Let's have lunch. By the end of the day, uh, we had figured out how to transition that group. It was it had a great run with Russ Lyon, have great respect for their business model and those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in two, uh, 2014, had a cocktail with one of my dear friends, Sandra Wilkin. She was explaining to me her new operation and, and what England Volkers was doing and how they were doing it differently and realized that I wanted to be a part of that. Let's talk a little bit about England Volkers. I had Sandra on the podcast a few weeks ago. It's started in Germany, if I'm correct. Hamburg, Germany. Hamburg, Germany, and completely focused on the experience and how you're going to handle a client who wants to buy a luxury property. And that that's that is their focus, and they're not going to stray from that. Am I, do I have that correct? Well, they they are a German-based company, and I think there's a propensity for how they do their business, and it is it is regimented, and it is defined, and it is successful. They're also opening offices around the country. I saw I think I saw one open in Baton Rouge uh, just we're, recently, so that it's growing in the states. Absolutely, I think we're up to eight thousand agents na- uh, internationally. Uh, we'll have 100 shops across the country by the end of the year. 
And we are in Minneapolis. We are in Vail, Aspen, San Francisco, Park City. Chicago's in the works, up and down Atlanta, California, uh, Florida, um, um, North Carolina, New York. Yeah. So it's, it's growing exponentially. Yeah. I know Sandra commented and liked the fact that the, the networking was really important for her with the other operations, around the, even around the world, right? Because you have people from on the wor- around the world want to live in Scottsdale. <laughs> you know what? And I'll, I'll be candid uh, that I don't really focus on the international part of it because we're not really an international city. But what I have noticed and one of the things I'm most pleased about is the fact that our network of national agents okay. is successful and actually actually is a network from the standpoint of referrals and communication. We're on our way back to New York on Monday to meet 50 of our private office advisors. Those are agents across the country that have been successful in their careers to do $25 million a year or more for the last five years. And we, we are a brotherhood and it is, uh, it's fun to share stories, uh, trends and, uh, future business opportunities. Well, let's talk about your business a little bit. You, we, we know that you have a, a great community, a sphere, you know, your, you'll call it your organic farm that you built by, by accident. But you're also now, you're doing some things, you know, currently that are digital. You want to get involved in what's happening today and kind of expand your reach and, and kind of reach out to a different audience. How are, how's that going? What are well, you doing right you know, now? Well, you know, the story about teaching old dogs, I, I, I truly am. I've been in the business now almost 38 years, so that's, uh, that, that's an old dog, I think. There, I, have, I have based my business for, for decades on being a seller's representative. Uh, that to me has been the easiest from the standpoint of already had the relationships. I maintain the relationships, but as competition changes, as the methodology of how to sell real estate changes, um, I've come to the realization that it is time to be a little more proactive. I've had websites in the past, but you know, again, that the technology changes and Google changes and Facebook changes and, and so Bob's changing. And uh, started, we are now putting together a website with your help and, and direction, I should say, and finding it very pleasant and pleasurable because I'm also reconnecting with the base uh, that really will help me grow the website, will help me be prominent within the community, going to the restaurants, going to the shop owners within Market Street and making them part of our website that will be original material it will be crafted by myself and my new bride and it is blogging and it is video and it is all the things that i would poo-poo or have poo-pooed but uh not anymore (laughs) i i love to hear that that's great look i'm no spring chicken myself but i know that we've got to kind of keep moving along moving down this path and so i'm always happy to see that when when somebody who has a, a very successful business already says we've got to keep doing these other things so we can kind of stay moving down the path we need to be moving down. That's great. You said you'd mentor other agents and you've, you were the managing broker here, correct? I am the managing broker at the have present been time. the designated broker, but you're just managed broke managing broker. Well, Sandra's the designated broker. Oh, okay, here. Gotcha. This is her baby. Let's you know, you've done that in the past, but you're happy to be not doing I that. I've done it in the past. <laughs> I don't, I don't need it now. I, okay. you know, I also have a book of business that also, also pays the bills. Gotcha. So it's, gotcha. uh, but I do spend a lot of time with the, the agents here. Those that desire, uh, a little bit of mentoring. It's, it's probably one of the biggest passions I have. I've, I've moderated a lot of panels, like say at the Arizona School of Real Estate and Business with Randy Cooney, um, that we're, we're with a luxury panel where you have a, a bunch of agents up there that are all working that market. And 
a, the question that always comes up from the audience is how can I get into the luxury market? That's a, how do you answer that question? Well, there's a couple different ways. First of all, you can't just walk into this business and say I'm in luxury real estate because the people you're dealing with have an expectation of, of knowledge, of expertise, uh, negotiation skills, uh, product knowledge, neighborhood knowledge, city knowledge, state knowledge. So in order to be a true expert at luxury, you have to understand the whole market, just not your sub-market. Then you also have to be involved in that part of town, in that sphere, uh, and then it's, it's immersing yourself, just like I said, in, in schools, in your places of worship, your, your, where you want to make a difference from a charitable standpoint. Um, and you have to have the knowledge. And the knowledge just doesn't mean how many houses sold in the neighborhood, but who was the architect, who was the builder, what are the trends? What, I mean, how many of them are outdated? In, in D.C. Ranch, we have a number of houses that need to be remodeled. So you need to know manufacturers of appliances and, and, and uh, faucets and door handles and, because that's what luxury is. And if you don't understand that, it's more difficult to get that client to understand that you really know what you're talking about. So advice for someone, it sounds to me like you have got to uh, start at the bottom, hopefully come in and maybe interview with the brokerage and say, I want to learn this business from the ground up and I'll do whatever it takes. And so I want to start off, as you mentioned before, as a cabana boy to, uh, to, to learn the industry. Is that possible? Well, it is possible. And I, whenever I, I have three agents that I'm working with right now, that, and I, I call it with no um, ill will intended, but I call it my Bible or their Bible. And that Bible is really a book that they create, which is a combination of maps, schools, restaurants, floor plans. And you, you assemble a book of expertise in that area that you're farming. So if you have questions, you have an immediate resource for the answer because you're the answer. Right. And so we really, you know, we divide neighborhoods up by builders. Then you go out and you find, okay, that was, you know, Pulte, that was Toll Brothers, and then you assemble all that information so you have all the floor plans at your fingertips, and it's it's a lot of work, uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's very rewarding, and you do be, you learn the product, you learn the neighborhoods, right? So, yeah, so just kind of thinking back to your experience, the fact that you built your own three of your own homes, right, that you lived in, going through that process, there's really no better way to learn absolutely all this stuff than doing it for yourself and being a part of that. Well, Bob, I told you I'd have you about a half hour where we're approaching that. So I want to wrap this up with the same question I ask, I've ask. i asked every guest for all 60 episodes. And that is, what's the one piece of advice you would give a new agent, not necessarily in luxury, but you've been around the business, a new agent just getting started in the business. What's your number one piece of advice? Be prepared to work really hard. Because if you don't work hard and you don't commit and you don't do the things you don't want to do, you, you will not succeed. Um, I have a young lady that was out door knocking yesterday. She got two referrals from door knocking. Now, who door knocks anymore? You know, luckily, you don't, she didn't get shot. But the reality is it, it's not a part-time job and people that think they can dabble in it may have some success, but it's not a career. This is, for me, it's a passionate career. And to really succeed, that's what it takes. It's not, oh, I heard this is easy. I mean, and, and Myra, my, my wife, will tell you that it's a full, it, it, 
It's a seven-day-a-week job. It is till 9 o'clock at night. I mean, to really succeed, uh, it is consuming, and you have to work really hard to have a life. I've been accused of not having one, but the reality is it's a lot of work. It's commitment. It is a year of grinding, uh, but you have to stay focused. It's, it's like training. It's like training for a marathon. You, you can't not run and go run a marathon. Uh, this business is a marathon, and you have to keep training and doing the right things and do them consistently. You mean it's not a part-time job where you make a lot of money? That's I've, I've heard that from people. <laughs> Some people have, but it's uh, no. It, okay. it is it is a it's an all-encompassing, consuming, wonderful, wonderful career. If someone wants to reach out and get in touch with you, maybe ask you some questions that they that were raised during this episode. How do they, what's the best way? Well, my cell is the best. Four eight zero six nine five six zero three one. We are always looking for wonderful people here within this organization that we can help. Uh, it is a phenomenal company. Uh, we are growing. Our new offices are spectacular. And I would love to, you know, have anyone pick my brain. There's not left much to pick, but uh, anyone who would like to do so is more than welcome to give me a call. Bob, thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us here on the podcast. And, uh, and best of luck with your new website. Can't wait to see it. We'll uh, definitely be watching for the announcements socially when it's up and ready to roll. It'll be up and running by my 60th birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.